This is episode number 21 with Dr. Michelle Wolford. Welcome to the Good Life Coach Podcast. I am your host, Michelle Lamoureux. The intention of this show is to awaken you to your fullest potential. Join me each week for inspiring interviews to elevate an area of your life, as well as interviews with women entrepreneurs who are creating success on their own terms. Each episode provides actionable tips to guide you to design a life you love. Hey there, it's Michelle, and welcome back to another episode. Today on the podcast, we are going to be talking about hormones, what they are, what they do in the body, the different kinds of hormones, and what it looks like when they go out of balance. We also get into perimenopause and menopause. Now, obviously, I am not covering this solo. I have brought on an award-winning naturopathic doctor, Dr. Michelle Wolford. For nearly a decade, she has run a small, private, multidisciplinary practice in San Diego treating children and adults for a variety of acute and chronic conditions all over the world. She's been a guest speaker at medical schools, on radio, blog, podcasts, TV programs, in addition to being a guest writer for the Journal of Alternative Medicine. Now, I really wanted to have this conversation with her because, as we know, hormones impact our sleep our sex drive, our digestion, our skin, and so much more. And we cover all of that in today's episode. My intention is to have the information serve as sort of a hormone 101 so that you can have a foundational understanding of how they work in your body and impact your overall health. As always, the show notes will be at thegoodlifecoach.com forward slash 021 for today's show. And This is solely an informational episode. Just to be clear, it is not intended to serve as medical advice in any way, and you should always consult with your own healthcare practitioner before making any changes to your health or diet. So on that note, let's get into the show. Hey, Dr. Wolford, thanks for joining me today. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I've been wanting to discuss hormones and their impacts on women for a while. So I'm really so happy that you're here to talk about that. But before we dive in, I thought it would be really helpful for the women listening if you could just take a second to tell us about your background and the kind of doctor that you are, what kind of medicine you practice, because it's not technically conventional medicine. Is that right? Yeah, so I'm a naturopathic medical doctor, and uh, we have full medical school training, but integrated into our training is alternative ways of healing the body. So alongside every pharmacology class and every, I'm just going to go ahead and say ology class, so whether we're looking at the kidneys or the heart or the lungs or the liver or our you know female organs, so along with every class, we're learning alternative ways to combat certain diseases or disharmony that shows up in the body. So for example, I don't know why PCOS just came to mind, but we'll learn about, okay, you could take these pharmaceuticals for PCOS, or these are the dietary changes we can make. And these are the herbs or the homeopathics or other lifestyle changes that could support changing that particular diagnosis or physiological um, misfunction in the body. Okay. So now I have to have you define what PCOS is because I'm actually (laughs) not familiar. Yeah. Oh, 
okay. It's a polycystic ovarian syndrome. Okay. So it's when people start to build what we call uh, like a pearl necklace. So it's uh, cysts that are grouped together um, on the ovaries. And it's very common in women. Okay. So how, so I know there's also functional medicine doctors too. Is this in the same realm? Because I think there is a little bit of confusion about the different kinds. We know they're the doctors that we go to for our, our primary care that's connected with our health insurance. And that's our conventional medicine doctors who did just the four years of, of medical school without this right. other specialty that you have. And so where does that fall into it? Okay, so um, a medical doctor, so an MD, they have their four years of medical school and then residency and fellowship. DOs, same thing, same type of four years of medical school. Naturopathic doctors, same type of four years of medical school. Um, functional medicine is oftentimes like a certificate-based program. So we, it's built into a naturopathic medicals program. And functional medicine is a way of looking at labs. So if your standard labs say a reference range is supposed to be from one to 10, functional medicine typically shrinks that reference range and then they're also saying, okay, what alternatives do we have? So what supplements and functional medicine doesn't always get into herbs, although it's starting to train um, it, its practitioners in that realm. So functional medicine is a piece of our training as naturopathic doctors. But if an MD says that they practice functional medicine, they most likely have some sort of functional medicine certificate or have taken a lot of continuing education classes on um, more, I guess, I don't want to say strategic, but, um, more functional ways of looking at the body. So, you know, when we just look at a lab, it's kind of place and time, but if we're like, okay, what happens when you get stressed and, you know, maybe the labs within range, but you're still feeling tired. So what other organ system can I look at? So it takes it away from that only looking at one part of the body or one part of the car when the car's broken down and starting to look at it as a whole unit, because we are a whole unit. Right. So you guys are really looking at root cause because I think one of the things yeah. that I understand from, you know, in conventional medicine, you go in with whatever ailment and there's a drug usually or something being prescribed to help you manage that symptom. Whereas the type of work that you do, if I'm understanding correctly, really goes deeper and says, well, let's look at the root cause because something triggered this to happen in the first place. Is that I mean, ab absolutely. I spend an hour with every new patient and um, 30 plus minutes with return patients. And it's an opportunity to educate each patient about what the body ideally is doing, but also what their body is doing and the reasons why maybe their body got a little bit confused and is not functioning the way that we would ideally like it to. And so um, it's a lot of education on how to rewind what's happening so that we can re-educate the body on how it should be functioning most optimally. Yeah. And it's interesting, Dr. Wolford, because my, from just even books I've read for people who practice the kind of medicine that you do, it seems like everyone had a life experience that led them down this path versus staying on just the conventional MD path. And I'm yep. curious, was that your experience as well? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was actually a nutritionist and uh, was getting a master's in both nutrition and exercise physiology. And kind of simultaneously, I was healing an old injury. So I was a college athlete and um, they put me on birth control pills because I wasn't menstruating. And I mean, I had been an athlete most of my life. And so they weren't sure why that was. My periods were irregular. So they put me on birth control pills and um, apparently it started decalcifying my body because my hormones were not reaching the levels they should for the age that I was at. 
And so I wasn't building um, bone and I wasn't laying it um, the way that I was supposed to. And so I ended up fracturing my femur. It's kind of a multitude of things. So I don't want to say it's just birth control, but it was, you know, over like I was training a lot. So it was training. I was eating a great diet. So it wasn't that piece. Um, but it was also the birth control pills that were um, changing the way that my body was trying to grow hormonally. And, um, my orthopedic surgeon, um, he, you know, put me on bed rest. He's like, get off of the birth control pills. And he kind of took a little bit more of a natural approach, but I spent four years in physical therapy and I just like could not get better. And, um, so anyways, I ended up seeking out some, a bunch of alternatives. I started doing a lot of research and got into naturopathic medicine and saw an acupuncturist and I wasn't quite introduced to chiropractic care yet, but I was really exploring, you know, why was I not healing? I'm this young, healthy woman. Um, my osteopath had run me for every disease you could imagine. And I came back with like perfectly normal labs and, um, and then what happened is as time continued to progress, things did start to pop up. So then all of a sudden I had Hashimoto's thyroiditis and then all of a sudden, you know, I had, I was just fatigued beyond belief, which can be a side effect or a symptom of Hashimoto's. So then my health started to, to degrade and that's really when I started to seek out alternative solutions. And then honestly, within like three months time, it was like, I was back to normal. It was like, what happened like in three months recovery, I spent four years trying to achieve that. It was the strangest journey, but it definitely led me um, to pursuing a career in naturopathic medicine. So I'm grateful for that. Wow. That's an amazing story. And I'm glad you got <laughs> well. So it's amazing. But so four years of not being well to then three months through naturopathic medicine got you back on course? Mm -hmm. It got me back on course. Exactly. I mean, I took out inflammatory foods that we've always been told are great. So like, um, for example, for me, not everybody is gluten sensitive, but I learned very quickly that I was gluten sensitive. Meanwhile, I was making sure I had as much wheat packed into all of my grains because we're told that that's what's healthiest. And, um, I took out dairy and I don't seem to have an issue with it, but it is an inflammatory food. I took out soy. I made sure I wasn't having sugar. So I was taking out a lot of just inflammatory foods to speed up the healing process. And I really connected in with my emotional body, like really learning how to release emotions, which I think was a huge part of my journey. Um, re-regulating my hormones because I had been on the birth control and then also teaching my body how to properly eliminate. And, you know, I mean, I, I was pooping and, and peeing and having menstrual cycles. So you would think, okay, well, you're eliminating just fine, but you can still have these natural elimination processes, but maybe the organ system's getting congested. And so that's kind of what I learned in my journey. Wow. Okay. <clears throat> so you mentioned hormones yep. um, as part of your, why you were unwell, but so let's help women understand because I'm 48 now and I know that menopause is supposed to be coming. I feel like no one talks about it. No one understands it. No one understands perimenopause. Like, it's so confusing. I don't understand. Like, even when you go to the regular doctors, like, I ask a lot of questions, but I don't feel like I get a lot of information. It's sort of like, oh, well, do you have any of these symptoms? No. Okay, we'll, we'll come back <laughs> later if you right. do. Right. And I think women deserve to understand. So let's start at a foundational level. Let's just get into... Okay. What are they and how do they work in our body? Absolutely. So hormones um, are 
it's basically a, like a regulatory system. So it gets secreted by the cell. So our human body is secreting its hormones. Okay. So it's a regulatory substance and it's secreted by you, you know, as the organism and it's secreted into blood or saliva. And then that ends up going to a tissue or to a different organ system that says, Hey, you need to turn this on or you need to turn this off. So basically it's, you get a signal in the body that releases a substance that's supposed to go down the street and say, turn your lights on, or it's time to turn your lights off. Um, and so there's a lot of things that can either allow that to happen more efficiently or that could block that, um, external factors. And I think that's where the problem happens is, um, you may be having signs or symptoms. The doctors may look at your labs and the labs may say that everything's okay. And then the doctor's like, well, I don't really know what to do for you. And, um, again, this is where functional medicine comes in because we shrink the, the lab result range. Um, but also really understanding, okay, maybe your labs are perfect, but you're having hot flashes. Why would somebody have hot flashes? Sure. It could mean a hormonal imbalance, but it could also mean like a congested liver, for example. So cleaning up that liver before those lab ranges get out of range would be a great way to help treat your hot flashes, but also make sure that we're preventing those lab ranges and those hormones from falling out of range in the future. Okay. So let's break it down even more simply more. though. Okay. So only because like I'm thinking, so, so do hormones help us because, you know, they say hormones are connected to libido, right? So our sex drive, it's, con it's our moods, you know, if we're going through perimenopause, if there's fluctuations of mood. So women are seeing it, you know, or night sweats. I think there's different things happening in our body. So is hormone, you talked about it being a regulatory substance. Is it about our energy? Is it about our mood? Like, can you give us sort of the umbrella yep. of what it is? And, 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 you know, here you hear estrogen and progesterone and estradiol and all of that stuff. It's what is that? For sure. Yeah. Okay. So, um, okay. So I, I want to speak to the symptoms and then I can speak to each hormone and you let me know if you want me to go into what each hormone kind of does or governs, but as an umbrella, your hormones literally regulate everything in your body. So it's your sleep. It's your energy. It's your appetite. It's your mood. It's your, what's happening with your skin. It's your menstrual cycle. It can be your bowel habits. It can be your blood pressure. So it's libido. Um, so your hormones regulate all of that. They regulate you as a fully functioning human. And there are specific times in somebody's life that the body is kind of, you know, we've been around for hundreds of thousands of years. So our, our caveman self is kind of programmed to have these shifts at certain times. So around 12 is a time that we have a big shift somewhere between 16 and 18. We have another one, um, around 25, we have another one. Um, I would say, it, everybody's having babies at different times in their life. So, you know, get, obviously getting pregnant and having a child and, you know, there's a whole subset of like the timeframes at postpartum, but you know, all of that is a physiological big time shift. Um, and then when somebody's going through menopause, which is different again for everybody, but I would say around 55 to 65 is another huge hormonal shift for women. So one hormones regulate everything in your body. <laughs> Two, um, we have naturally programmed shifts, so to speak. And then three, there's both external and internal factors that can um, heighten those shifts 
or allow those shifts to happen sooner or delay those shifts. Basically, it can have an impact on when those shifts happen or it can intensify what those shifts look like for you. Does that it, it's so helpful. So I guess I'm thinking, so when you even mentioned it regulates your sleep. So if a woman, you know, is waking up every morning at 3 a.m., is that automatically hormones or could be something else? Or do you have, at least have to start looking at hormones because otherwise she'd be sleeping through? Of course. So the way I think about it is if a patient says to me, I wake up every morning at 3 a.m., first I think liver because in Chinese medicine between 1am and 3am is liver dysfunction. So if somebody's waking up during that time, I definitely feel like their liver is congested. Now the liver breaks down all of our hormones. So that's where that potential hormonal link is. Um, sure. If somebody is like really, really low in progesterone, that could affect their sleep wake cycle because progesterone is a very calming hormone. So I would be question mark in my brain. Maybe there's something happening from a progesterone standpoint. If they're saying that they're having a lot of hot flashes, now I'm curious about estrogen. Um, now where we've only really been talking about sex hormones, but, um, you know, their thyroid is also a hormone. So I could be thinking about thyroid. Adrenal glands is another hormone. So I could be thinking about adrenals. I would be thinking about serotonin and melatonin, which regulates our sleep-wake cycle. So when I say that hormones govern everything, I mean, it is everything. So, you know, when you go to your doctor and maybe you're seeing your endocrinologist, like maybe your, your listeners are like, oh man, I do have hot flashes and they go to their endocrinologist and or their OBGYN and they only run sex hormones. I would encourage women to say, thank you for running my sex hormones, but please let's make sure we're running the thyroid and the adrenal glands always with those sex hormones because they're a team. And so you may be having hot flashes and your OBGYN thinks, okay, well, all I really work with is our estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. But it's very important to look at the rest of the team because, you know, you may be having an issue that appears that it's going to be one of your sex hormones, but the imbalance could actually lie someplace else in your whole hormonal system. Yeah, this is good. This is actually okay. so helpful. No, because now you just, so testosterone, progesterone, and estrogen are the sex hormones specifically. Those are the sex hormones. And then yep. I didn't realize thyroid was part of our hormonal system. I know they'll say your thyroid could be, you know overactive or underactive, right? I've heard of all that. And then the adrenals as well. So if it's regulating your whole body, um, then it makes sense why women have hormonal imbalance. So take us into an example of what it looks like when a woman does. Now, I will say the, the listeners, you know, generally speaking, are somewhere in, you know, early 30s to late 50s for the most okay. part. I mean, there's going to be some that are younger and some that are older, but Let's kind of think in, you know, that age group um, as we address this. Okay. And then I'm sorry, ask your question again. So I have well, what, clear what, about is, what you want to know. Yeah, of course. So hormones, we all know, go out of balance. You always hear about hormonal imbalance. So what what does that mean? And what might that look like in a woman? You know, let's say like a 35-year-old woman just to start. From a symptom standpoint or from a lab standpoint? Uh, from a symptom standpoint, what is she starting to feel? So she would go, oh gosh, my hormones must be out of balance. Okay. Um, so in a 30 to 50 year old woman, oh gosh, my hormones may be going out of balance. It could be um, unexplainable weight gain. That typically happens very quickly. So if you're gaining like five to 10 pounds in a year, that's most likely like eating dietary habits, um, stress, 
well, which is a hormone (laughs) or like congested liver, which can have an impact on the hormones. But I'm talking like when somebody all of a sudden gains like 10 to 15 pounds in like a 45 day period of time, there's something going on hormonally for sure. Um, and again, it's like, I want to simplify this as much as possible, but the hormonal system is just super complex. So as I'm saying that, sure, it can be your sex hormones, but again, I'm looking at thyroid, I'm looking at adrenals, and now I'm looking at things like leptin and adiponectin uh, when we're talking about extreme weight gain. So like the complexity can build based upon how somebody is showing with a particular sign or symptom. And so that's why I think functional medicine docs are really awesome or naturopathic doctors because they're not just going to look at just the sex hormones, they're going to be like, okay, that's interesting. This is what you're presenting with. Sure. Let's look at your sex hormones, but could it also be a, B and C? Um, okay. So other signs and symptoms, um, mood, mood disruption, you know what I mean? That's a huge one. Um, because our hormones are fluctuating basically four times in a month if we're just talking sex hormones here. And so every week we go through a hormonal shift as a woman, Um, and I know you said that there aren't, uh, this isn't like geared towards men, but men basically have a cycle as well. And it's every 72 days. So just as a little FYI, um, but as women, we cycle, um, as a menstrual cycle once a month, but our hormones shift every week. And so if you're feeling like there's a lot of variability in your mood, um, then I would say that there probably is an imbalance in your hormones because even though there's going to be some changes and fluctuations, it shouldn't be high spikes, low dips. It should be just this very gentle ease, ebb and flow of, of mood changes. I mean, we're not supposed to be flatlined robots, but if you're having high peaks and low valleys, then I would really be curious what's happening, um, from a sex hormone standpoint. Okay. That's Yeah, no, this is good. And what about, but what about, okay, so let's actually talk about perimenopause because I know a lot of my friends will say, I think I, I think I'm going through perimenopause, Um, you know, and they might be like 34 years old or, you know, I have other friends in their early forties and everyone says it's perimenopause, whether they're not sleeping or whatever. So what, what, let's just, let's get a better understanding of what is perimenopause Okay. and what can we expect if you are in fact starting that, because I, I understand it's a long cycle, like the body, women go through so much. Like I, I was just reading a book called The Hormone Cure by Dr. Sarah okay. Gottfried. And I think, gosh, women, we go through so much. We, you know, <laughs> yeah. we do. And it's, you know, and guys think we're moody, but, you know, our hormones are going through a lot more than theirs are. Um, so, okay. So walk us through perimenopause. So perimenopause is really the two years prior to menopause. So if you're 34 and you go through menopause at 60, you are not in perimenopause at 34. And yeah, and I think what happens is, is that we don't feel right and we don't know how to communicate it. And so it's like, there must be going something going on with my hormones. And if your energy is still good and you haven't gained a lot of weight, then automatically most people have disregarded thyroid as being an issue. And so then they're like, oh, it must be perimenopause. Like I must be starting that process. But it's not that. I would say at that point, like it's liver dysfunction. It's the fact that that little triad we talked about of sex hormones and and thyroid and adrenals, we call it the HPA axis, regulates all of our hormones. That's probably out of balance. 
Okay. So there's things that lead up to somebody reaching perimenopause. And some of those signs and symptoms can be similar to actually being in perimenopause. But perimenopause is the two-year period of time prior to um, completely losing or stopping your menstrual cycle. And in that two-year period of time, there's generally a lot of menstrual dysfunction. And what I mean by that is you have a menstrual cycle and then nothing comes for three months and then something comes. And then maybe two weeks later you start spotting again and then it's gone for six months. So it typically is going to show up in the fact that now your periods are, are really, really vacillating and there's no true external factor that could impact that, right? If somebody all of a sudden went from not exercise to a lot of exercise, your cycle may start to shift. If somebody is taking a new pharmaceutical or a new herbal supplement, you could impact your menstrual cycle. But if you're living this basic same day-to-day life and then all of a sudden your periods get very, very obscure, I would say there's a chance you're going through perimenopause. But other than that, it's probably just inflammation in the body, um, endocrine disruption, you know, imbalances that need to be balanced. Okay. So I'm going to break down because you said a few different things. So I just want to get clarification. So when you say something like liver dysfunction, that sounds really serious, but it's probably not as serious as that sounds. So what does that mean when you say it's probably liver dysfunction? What does that mean? Yeah. There's varying degrees of liver dysfunction. You have um, something that's very low grade, and that could even show up in an infant. And that could be that their liver is having a hard time breaking down our naturally produced in, um, toxic waste that we naturally produce as we, our body's moving day to day, or something that we come into contact with. So chemicals that we put on our skin, the water we drink, the food we eat alcohol consumption as adults. And that could disrupt how efficient the liver functions. That's considered liver dysfunction. Okay. Now the most serious situations would be more like, you know, a hepatitis or a fatty liver disease or something like that. What about when your mother went through menopause? Is that an indicator of when you might go through it yourself? I've heard that that's the case. Is that true? Uh, It could definitely be true, but you typically will see that um, if a woman is not doing anything to detoxify her body, um, that, so if your mom went through menopause at 60 and you've done nothing to support your health, but maybe, you know, eating well and exercise, but you've never done anything to truly teach your body how to cleanse, you'll typically go through menopause about three to five years before your uh, mother, because our toxic load, it builds up in our system. You know, I mean, if you take this way back, you are a complete combination of mom and dad, and they had a toxic load inside of them when they made you. And then you were exposed to the world. And so you technically, to give it into a numbers standpoint, if your mom had a toxic load of five when she came into this world, you will most likely have a seven. And, uh, and then it continues to go up from there. Now, if people are doing things to help lower their toxic load through diet, exercise, and herbal remedies, then there's a chance that their offspring can come in with a lesser degree or the same amount you know, of toxic load. So that's why women typically are now going through menopause a lot sooner than they used to. And what about menopause then? So how does, so, so if you're going through perimenopause and or menopause, that is not a hormonal imbalance. That's a natural 
progression of what your body does. Is that true? Exactly. Yep. That's a natural shift. Okay. So let's talk then, let's actually talk about um, menopause, generally speaking, and then let's talk about the imbalance side, go back to the imbalance side, because I know that this is something that a lot of women struggle with is the hormonal imbalances. And I want to help to the degree that we can give them some information that can help them re-regulate that. Yeah. So when somebody's in menopause, that too is kind of typically gapped at like a one to two year period of time. And it means that there has been no cycle within a one to two year period of time. So no, no menstrual bleeding. Um, typically what starts to happen is that your body produces less estrogen and less progesterone and less testosterone. Um, your sex hormone binding globulin, which is kind of the glue that binds everything together also goes down. Uh, looking at a lab result as a doctor, we you can really tell when somebody's in menopause because the FSH, which is the follicular stimulating hormone, it becomes three times as much as LH, which is the luteinizing hormone. And those two hormones I was just talking about really helps you know regulate someone's cycle. So I can see in a younger individual, okay, you were on your period, okay, now you're ovulating. Um, And so when somebody's in menopause, because they're no longer ovulating and having menstrual cycles, that FSH becomes three times as much as that LH. And so those are things that I look at from a lab standpoint. um, And all of those hormones will naturally start to decline as they should, because you're shifting into a different phase of life. Okay. So this is, so that's just very basic and makes sense. So it's just so, but let's talk back about, uh, let's go back to revisiting um, a hormonal imbalance. So um, to the degree you can share, like, can you give an example of what somebody might come in to see you for that is in fact a hormonal imbalance? Uh, oh gosh. I mean, I have so many examples. Um, I'll give you guys kind of three symptomatologies and tell me which one you think is kind of the most curious to you. Um, so somebody could come in and... Um, they may be having like hot flashes at night um, and they could feel like they're starting to gain some weight and uh, their blood pressure seems to have gone up. So that could be an example of an individual that has come in or would come in. Um, another example, and then just decide between the two, would be um, having a hard time uh, getting pregnant and um, but thinks that, you know, she's really, really healthy and works, um, long, long hours at work and, um, and, and weight doesn't seem to be an issue. Those would be two examples of hormonal, hormonal imbalances. So is either one more curious to you and I can go into it? I would say, I would say the first one. So how old would this woman be with the hot flashes roughly? I mean, it could be 34, it could be 54. So we'll just put them right at 48. How about that? Okay, go for it. Okay, so she's 48 and she's having hot flashes in the middle of the night. She's gained a little bit of weight. And um, oh yeah, now she's having high blood pressure. I think that's what we said. Um, So I would, you're asking how I would look at the individual. Um, so, So I would, I mean, after asking a slew of questions to understand sleep, energy, appetite, mood, bowel habits, exercise habits, after asking a slew of questions to really treat the person individually and understand what's happening in their life, um, I would run a hormone panel and that hormone panel would consist of their sex hormones. Um, so estrogen, but I look at E1, E2, and E3, um, which are three different types of estrogens. I would look at their progesterone. 
I would look at uh, both testosterone and free testosterone. Um, I would look at sex hormone binding globulin because all of these different markers tell me something different about what's happening in your body. Okay. Um, I'd look at the LH and the FSH. Um, I would look at uh, DHEA and cortisol, which lets me know about adrenal health. I would look at um, a whole thyroid panel, um, especially with the unexplainable weight gain. Um, and that would be uh, TSH, which is um, how the thyroid is stimulated and then how it converts. So I'm looking at T3, T4, free T3, free T4. I'm looking to see if there's any sort of um, autoimmune, so body attacking itself at the level of the thyroid because that can create hot flashes, weight gain, and the fatigue and the high blood pressure. So as you can see, like as much as you may want a simple answer, hormones are very complex. And so I'd, I would love to say, oh, it's just this one thing. But all, I hope that all of your listeners, if they're having any sort of imbalances in their system, that they push their doctors to run all of these profiles because they may find that it it is it's all of that, it's none of that, or it's just one thing, and then they can target that particular uh, system very easily. Now, if it's none of that on a lab test, I that's when your medical knowledge really becomes so important because now you have to think about how the body functions and the liver breaks down all of those hormones. And so if from a lab test, everything is good, I'm looking at cleaning up the liver because it's the filter to your fish tank. It will clean you up. I'm also going to look at, okay, maybe nothing's out of range from a lab standpoint, but like a very, what I would call a phase one adaptogen. So that's a very, very gentle, um, adaptogen to support your body shifting into greater balance. Um, adaptogens teach your body how to adapt. When you come into stressful situations and your body has a response, it's like having a helper there to, to help you meet that challenge. And so there's less pressure or weight on the system. And so it can help shift someone back into balance. Okay. This is so good. Okay. So I actually now I have like a couple more questions. So I, I am thinking about that woman now that can't conceive because that's okay. a huge problem. So let's actually, let's go into that because I do think that, you know, and, and would you say that age is not an issue at some point or if somebody is 44 and still wants to conceive and hasn't been able to, do you think that, you know, there's still time because you're talking about menopause happening later yeah. or it should be, but you know, the system could be clogged. So I'll just leave it there and let you take over. So, I mean, I just had a 45 year old woman have a very healthy, healthy baby. Um, so it's, it's definitely possible. Um, the woman that is having a hard time conceiving, um, if any of your listeners have a piece of paper and a pen, I would just make a little like upside down V and write progesterone on one side and DHEA, and you can put in parentheses stress on the other side. And I think what's important to realize is all day long, your body is like, okay, am I going to make more progesterone, which helps us make babies and keeps our cycle functioning and us ovulating, or am I going to have to deal with this stress? And so all day long, your body's in that conversation. And so when a woman's telling me she has a hard time conceiving, of course, I look at all of her hormones. Of course, I look to see what's happening from a cardio metabolic standpoint. So with cholesterol, lipids, other things like that, because I'm looking for inflammation. Um, yes, I'm looking at the man's sperm and, you know, there's so many things to look at, but 
I'm super curious about her level of stress. Um, I'm also curious what she's exposed to um, that I would classify as an endocrine disruptor. So for example, makeups, the chemicals that are in makeups can disrupt your hormones, meaning that when your body says, hey, make progesterone, that signal doesn't actually get to where it's supposed to go because there's toxic load, which is a hormone disruptor, disruptor and it blocks that signal. So I'm looking at what are you eating? You know, what is your sleep-wake cycle? You know, what is your level of stress? What are you exposed to? You know, alcohol, drugs, pharmaceuticals, chemicals that you put on your skin. So there's a lot to look at. But the the biggest and most important thing, just to reiterate, is that all day long, the body is progesterone or stress, baby making or stress. And so if somebody doesn't have ways of managing their stress, um, you know, that is going to be one of the first things that you starts to add in because stress creates a whole plethora of issues. I mean, just one that's basic and simple for people to understand is it makes the body more acidic. And when the body's really acidic, the body doesn't want to make babies. It wants to make it in a very like peaceful, alkaline, soothing, calm, you know, gentle environment, not a toxic, acidic, fiery, hot, burny, high wired environment. And so, um, hormones is really about how do you, are you going to regulate your internal environment, your internal garden, right? Like if you were a garden, how would you keep this garden growing what it needs to grow? And hormones is kind of the tools to help keep it the way it needs to be. Okay. So I want to get into how we can do that. Before we do though, let's, okay. let's talk about stress. Every book, and I read a lot of books, 15 to 20 books a year um, on health stuff, just because I'm so interested in it. And every autoimmune disease, your risk of having heart attack, of stroke, of depression, everything. Stress is like one of the factors. Always stress is there. So what are ways that we can put our stress in check? Like, what do you recommend usually to clients? What do you do for yourself? What's the best way to manage our stress? Because we all know, and we all know that it's a huge contributor to all of this imbalance. For sure. Well, there's things you can do and there's things you can take. And I always encourage people to learn how to do overtaking um, and taking a supplement or an herb or whatever it may be is very supportive and can maybe speed up the process or give you the shift that you need. But learning the behaviors is going to be the thing that lasts. So I always encourage that first and foremost. Um, A lot of it is just about our perceptions. Um, And so I do a lot with connecting in with people about their perceptions, like the way that they think or approach things. So for example, I had a woman last night, um, she's pregnant with her second, she'll be delivering in 15 weeks. And, um, an amazing woman, you can just tell, man, she is loyal and she works like nobody works, you know, but I was really having to like share with her that, you know, being able to ask to maybe leave work an hour early or, um, because she, I mean, she just works herself to the bone. I mean, she's a dedicated, dedicated worker. And to say, I really need to do this for the health of me and my baby, um, is an okay thing to ask for. But in her mind, it was very challenging because she wants to stay loyal and she wants to show her the company that, you know, she will do whatever it takes. And, you know, I had to start to ask, but at what cost? 
And she felt like, well, there's nothing wrong with me or the baby yet. And I'm like, yeah, but the key word here is yet. And I don't want there to be anything and neither do you. But if we wait until there's an issue to change our behaviors, then we have a very, very long road ahead of us to getting back to wellness. And so it's important that people realize and start now. And so whether it's 10 minutes of, you know, meditation or silent time in the morning, and maybe another 10 minutes of just sitting outside and breathing in fresh air, but no cell phones, no checking emails, just sitting. I don't even care if it's five minutes. That five minutes could change everything for you. And then same thing, you know, when you get home before you quickly bustle out of your car and, you know, run into the house and try to greet your kids or your family or, you know, or your animals, or if you live alone, you just can't wait to open up that bottle of wine and watch a movie or something. It doesn't matter what it is. I would just encourage you to sit for five minutes in your car, no music, no cell phone, just take some breaths and just like look up at the sky or something. And I know it can feel like a waste of time or you may feel like agitation starts to rise inside of you or anger or so forth, but that's your nervous system trying to detox from the day. And we don't really give our body the opportunity to like detoxify our nervous system. And, you know, this conversation is about hormones, but what's happening for us mentally, emotionally is probably the number one thing that impacts our hormones. And so this is an excellent question because whether it's setting an alarm on your phone to take five to 10 minutes morning, midday, and before you walk in for the night, I mean, that's not even 30 minutes of a 24 hour day that could potentially change your life. And you'll start to realize the thoughts you have, the anxieties you have, you know, maybe you're not, you notice you're not breathing or you notice that there's a panickiness inside of you, which is really just high cortisol. So another hormone, you know, part of your stress hormones. So I really encourage people to just start there and to just five minutes. Like I can't imagine that none of us have five minutes to just step away and sit in a quiet room or sit in our car or just take some deep breaths with nothing else around. That's perfect. I love that. And we definitely do have the time. I get on my phone now. I didn't even sign up for it. It would tell me every week how much time. And I listen to a lot of podcasts and like to learn. But there was, and I don't like social media, but there was social media reporting there too. I like, I get on Instagram and I thought, oh my goodness, like I have no excuse not to be working out every day. I have no excuse not to be able to take five minutes to meditate, to breathe like you're saying, to do some journaling, to do more self-care, because if that report is accurate, then I got a lot of time on my hands that I could be putting putting towards taking care of me in a much healthier way. So, um, you know, if anyone's listening, thinking, "Oh, oh, I don't really feel like I have that time. Put the, put that time tracker on your phone and see how much time you're you're putting towards other things because I'll tell you there there is that time and it's so essential. Um, so I do love what you said about the mindset and how that really is going to trigger the hormonal balance or imbalance. I am going to ask for one other category because I do hear women say, "I just I don't ever feel like having sex anymore and my my libido's off." So talk to us about balancing out hormones related to um, sex hormones, if, Absolutely. That, if that's not too big of a too big of an ask. 
No, I'll try to make it as simple as possible. Um, when I'm connecting in with a patient, I always look at what's happening physiologically, so in their body, right, biochemically. But I also look at what's happening uh, energetically or spiritually. So the, I think they're both really important in every um, sign or symptom, but definitely when it comes to losing their libido. Um having a low libido is usually due to lower progesterone levels. So, um, we use up a lot of progesterone when we make babies and when we have babies and there's a big, you know, shift, like I said before, that happens in your body. And, um, it's a slight tangent, but not really, you know, one thing that I would say almost every single female patient has said to me after giving birth is they say, I don't know why my doctor tells me I should be, my sex drive should be back in six weeks and I should be raring to go and everything's healed because it just does not happen that fast. And of course I say to them, yes, we read that out of a textbook in medical school. And so as a man, maybe OBGYN, they don't know because they haven't gone through it. So that's what they tell their patients because that's what they read in a medical textbook. And as a woman that maybe hasn't gone through that experience, um, or maybe a woman that has, and, and maybe she's a little bit more of an anomaly. This is what is being told to these women is by six weeks, you're healed, you're ready to go. You're ready to have sex, your libido's up. And it's just, that's not realistic. I would tell you that, um, at about 18 months postpartum, your body really starts to recalibrate itself. And so if your sex drive has not returned after 18 months, then you're having a hard time increasing your progesterone levels. And chances are because you've been up all hours of the night for the last 18 months and you've been breastfeeding and so many other things are happening in your world that there's probably another hormone that is out of balance. Um, and again, maybe that's your adrenal glands. Um, maybe you're deficient in some sort of micronutrient. And so those are the things that I look for is what nutrients are you now depleted in? Because your baby took everything as they should. That's the way the system is set up. What's happening with your progesterone levels and what's happening with maybe some of your other hormones. And then again, I, like I said, it's a spiritual conversation. So, um, you know, what's happening with your partner, what's happening in your world, what's, you know, happening in your own mind, you know, what do you think about sex? Because when you've been nursing a child for a long time, it changes some of like the eroticism that we had at younger years around intimacy. And so sometimes just the uh, set of lenses that we come into intimacy with have now changed. And so that's a conversation for you and your partner, which can be really awesome. Yeah, this is good. If you, you know, desire to get that back, or even if you don't think you desire, I would still connect in with somebody because our sex hormones, it's not just about making babies and feeling like a libido. Our sex hormones protect our bones. They protect our hair, our skin, our eyesight. I mean, there's so many things that all of these hormones do for our body as a whole. And so even if you've never really been into, uh, you know, sexual intercourse or something like that, then I would definitely say, don't let that be the thing that stops you from seeing what is maybe needs to be put back into balance because everything's connected. Absolutely. Okay. So on that note, then let's give okay. some help then, some tips then about okay. how a woman can begin, you know, what testing would you say is important? Um, you know, how can she start to rebalance her home, her hormones safely? Okay. So, um, testing, um, like I said before, I, when I run the sex hormones, I always run thyroid and adrenal because they work as a team. Um, now some doctors, when you say sex hormones, they'll just run your estrogen and that's it. 
but you really need to ask for E1, E2, progesterone. Um, you need to ask for sex hormone binding globulin, so SHBG. And you need to look for testosterone, and you need to look for um, LH and FSH. So there's about six or seven in that category. And is that the same as the female panel? Because I've heard of a female panel. Is that the same one? Like if they ask the doctor to run that, or does that not include yeah. what you did? I mean, you know, truth be told, we set up our own panel. So I set up my own panel. Joe, Dr. Joe down the street sets up his own panel. You know, Dr. Susie over there sets up hers. So your doctor may say, oh, yeah, I'll run a female panel on you, but it may not have all of those markers. Okay. It may have some of them. Um, it typically is not going to have anything more than what I just said. So that's what you want to ask for. You want to ask for all of those. Okay. So what else can a woman do? What would what would you recommend? So we'll we'll talk. We did testing. Uh, you okay. talked about you talked about the management of the mind body. You know, going in, doing the meditation, doing the deep breathing, taking five minutes to ground yourself, really reconnecting. So I think that's huge. Really looking at that. What about exercise? Um, exercise is great. If you can get your heart rate between 142 and 155 beats per minute, so you can, a lot of people have got the Apple watches or heart rate monitors, all sorts of things now. If you could do that a minimum of 40 minutes, three to four days a week, that will really shift your health. Okay. That's great. And what else? So anything else that you'd recommend then? Um, I love castor oil packs. So, um, castor oil, definitely get organic because you don't want an non-organic one, but you basically just rub it on your liver, which is below your right breast. And you can rub it on your abdomen in a clockwise direction and just do a small amount and rub it there every night before bed. Um, you can even go ahead. No, I was going to say, so what is a, what is a castor oil pack for those of us who are unfamiliar? Yeah. So the, the castor oil comes from the castor bean, which comes from Peru. And it's a viscous oil that I have people put on topically in different locations. When we want to bring white blood cells to the area, there's a particular white blood cell called a macrophage that comes and eats away at any sort of, I'll call it fibrotic tissue or toxic load, anything that the body doesn't want. And so it's a cleanup mechanism. So it's a great way that you can basically be kind of cleansing your liver every night before you go to bed. And, um, and if you're pregnant, don't ever use heat and I don't rub it on the belly. And in some cases I don't recommend it with pregnant women, but, um, but for the most part, there's really no other contraindications. And I just place it on, I just have them put it in a little bit in their hand and then rub it right on their liver, which again is right below the right breast. And then in a clockwise direction around their abdomen. And I find that it's very detoxifying, which is awesome. So they're literally just taking the oil and massaging it on the liver? Yep. Yeah. Because when you say a pack, I didn't know if it was sitting. There's nothing sitting there? No. I mean, you can. Like the traditional way of doing it is you soak a wool cloth and you put it on you and then you saran wrap it around. I don't feel like anybody has that kind of time. No. Like if I'm not doing it, I'm not going to ask you to do it. <laughs> so, um, so I just basically rub it on me um, in the places described and then I'll put a heating pack or, you know, those bean bag fulls that you can throw in the microwave. And I'll just put uh, on the lowest heat possible for about 10 to 40 minutes, depending on the day. And that will just help drive it in a little bit deeper into the liver. And it's really great. And that's safe to do every day, though? Or you just do that like once a week? Or No, I do it every night. I've done it every night for, gosh, since 2006, 13 years. 
So you can't over detoxify that area? No, I'm just curious. That's of course, you know, that's a great question. That's a great question. So, um, because you're just putting it externally on the skin and you're asking why, what that does is it signals white blood cells to come to the area and clean up the area. If there's nothing to clean up, they'll be signaled to get there, but then they'll just leave. But if there's something to clean up, which 90, probably 9% of the time there is something to clean up, it will just, you know, do a very gentle eating away of whatever doesn't belong there. Okay. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. Nobody can see you, but I can. Your hand looks like a little Pac-Man. Oh, I used yeah. to play oh, that. It's cute. Yeah. Okay. It's like a little, yeah. that's good. So it's like a little Pac-Man that's, or Pac-Woman that's going to come clean things up. Okay. Um, anything exactly. else you can recommend? Um, Go see their doctor or a naturopath, it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I get it. Like, you know, when people don't feel like they're getting answers, they get sick of going and searching out practitioners. They want to take challenge, you know, care of their own health. So they start researching and they read things. But honestly, I would I would really say spend your time researching who's going to be the best person to guide you. Um, I'm amazing at what I do, but I still have somebody else look at my health because when somebody externally is looking at your health, you get an outside view because when you're in when you're in the picture of the picture frame, you can't always see all of the aspects of what's happening. And so I think it's important to get an external opinion and especially an educated one, because, you know, you may be excited to try a supplement because of the marketing looks good or it feels good intuitively, or your friend had great results, but it may not be the best thing for you. And, um, I know that can be a really challenging thing for a lot of people, but you really want to be guided to take only that, which you need. Um, I see a lot of people that come to me and they're like, I've tried all these things. And I'm like, Oh, that's, that's interesting. And, and it's like, and I'm like, who have you been working with? They're like, Oh no, I read this article and I took this and I read that article and took that. And now my menstrual cycle's all messed up. And now I have acne or now I have this, now I have that. And, um, even though herbal medicine is more natural, it's still very powerful. And so whether it's a pharmaceutical or herbal medicine, um, I would just say, find somebody to help guide you because you, that's how you're going to get from point A to point B most effectively and efficiently without a lot of side effects. And, um, it also means you will ultimately save more time and more money and get which the results that you're looking for. Yeah. I think that's really important. I hundred percent agree. Go get the right counsel, find, spend that time finding somebody who can partner with you so that you can feel yourself and you don't have those mood swings or lack of sleep or weight gain, or like you even mentioned the skin issues. Um, is there anything I didn't ask you that you wished I had that you think would be useful? Um, just kind of running through things in my head. Um, uh, the only other thing I would say is hydration may sound like something super, super simple, but, um, you know, water, we are an electrical system. So water allows our body to function most optimally. It also washes away that which doesn't belong in our system. So it kind of cleans out our pipes, our lymphatic system, so to speak. And, um, because of the amount of, you know, alcohol, coffee, teas, um, other things that we consume, um, even green juices. So it's not like those are, I'm saying that things are unhealthy. It's important that we are following that up with an adequate amount of water and typical, a typical recommendation is whatever your weight is in kilograms. So that's basically half of your body weight in pounds. That's the same amount of ounces that you, um, should be drinking. So it's 2.2 kilograms equals, or, or excuse me, um, 
yeah, one pound equals 2.2 kilograms. And so if somebody weighs 100 pounds, I say 100 uh, divided by 2.2, and that will give you your weight in kilograms, which is the same amount of ounces that you should at minimum be drinking a day of water. Okay. So you've covered a lot. Um, yes. <laughs> and it's okay. No, it's so good. And no, I was going to say, I'm going to ask for your three best tips. So if even if it's something you've said already and just want to sum it up, but if you could leave the women listening with your three best tips to, okay. you know, to have that nice balanced hormone and feel their best, that would be great. Um, so for sure, the casserole packs, it's a great first step. Absolutely. Um, routine around sleep and food. Your body is a systematic system. So to go to bed around the same time every night, to get up around the same time every morning, to eat your meals around the same times creates regularity in your system. So it's a great way to help re-regulate your other hormones. Um, and like I said before, that 30 minutes or 10 minutes, three times a day where it's just you I mean, I'm trying to give your audience people or your audience tips on things that they can do that doesn't necessarily cost money or if they haven't found a practitioner yet, because I, for me to say, oh, go take this herb or that herb, that may not be what's in the best interest of their metabolic system or, or in conjunction with the other things that they're taking or so forth. So yes, herbs are amazing. Homeopathy is amazing. Nutrition is fantastic. But I find those things to be very individualized. But to do a castor oil pack, to take 30 minutes to yourself every day to just breathe and to have routine around sleep and, enter, and, and food intake, those are things that everybody can do at any age and that can make a huge shift for you. And this has been so good, Dr. Wolford. Now, for people who want to learn more about you and your work, where can I direct them? Yeah. I mean, my website's probably the best. Um, so that's drmichellewolford.com and that's M-I-C-H. E-L-L-E-W-O-L-F as in Frank, O-R-D.com. So Dr. Michelle Wolford. Um, and yeah, I don't do a lot of social media, but I'm trying to get into that world just because so many patients are like, post this, talk about that. So um, maybe more to come in that realm, but my website right now is probably the best. Maybe that's why your hormones are in balance. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe why. Oh, for I'm sure. teasing a little. No, this is great. And I'll have everything linked up in the show notes so people can find you because I know you work with people um, remotely as well, not just locally. So, um, yeah, I have patients all over the world. So, um, you know, as many people as I can educate, I would love to point as many people in the right direction. Well, I think you did a beautiful job today. And this was so educational for me. And I know it will be for the other women listening. So thank you so much for your time. This has been such a pleasure. I thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I really hope that you enjoyed today's conversation. And if you know of someone who would benefit from this topic, then please take a second to share this episode with them. I also wanted to note that if this is an area you want to learn more about, the book that I referenced in the beginning of the show, The Hormone Cure by Dr. Sarah Gottfried, is really great. All of her books are. I own all three. And um, if you wanted to go a little bit deeper on the topic or learn more, she's got a hormone quiz that you can actually take um, that will help you have a better sense of where you might be out of balance. So I will link that up in the show notes at thegoodlifecoach.com forward slash zero to one. 
thank you again for joining me. I so appreciate your time and I look forward to reconnecting with you next Wednesday. Bye for now.